Aren't you thankful to have such great talent in our church? And that they use those talents to praise the Lord and to lead us time after time in worship. God is good. And all the time. It is 4th of July weekend. And this is a time when we celebrate our independence and that 56 very courageous, brave Men put their name on a document, but not just a document, but the document that let it be known among those 56 signers to the Declaration of Independence that they were putting their lives at stake, their property, their families, everything that they had come to the 13 colonies and established and worked hard for, they were laying it all on the line because they believed that there was something special and something divine about this country, the United States of America, and to declare their independence by signing that document. And on this weekend, we celebrate their courageous uh, act. We celebrate the many who have fought and bled and died for our freedoms that, let's just be real, we take for granted. We celebrate our independence, but if you're like me... um, It just seems, this is my impression, it just seems that our once proud republic is on the ropes in what may be the final round. Benjamin Franklin, of all people to be quoted on the 4th of July, what you may not realize is that Benjamin Franklin was one of the least religious of those founding fathers, the least religious But Benjamin Franklin, years after the Declaration of Independence, so to put this in perspective, 1776, Declaration of Independence, but 1787, they are still working on a governing uh, document, what you and I have now called the Constitution. And so they gathered there in what's called Independence Hall in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They gathered there, and I don't know if you're aware of this, but the air conditioners were not working back then. Amen. They had not been patented and invented. They gathered there in what's called Independence Hall. There were fixed windows, very little ventilation. And historians tell us that 1787 was one of the hottest years on record up to that point. Fahrenheit, they said it was very hot, very humid. They had gathered there in Independence Hall, and there was a lively debate. In fact, I want to read this to you. It was the summer of 1787 as America's founders met at Independence Hall there in Philadelphia to hammer out the specifics of our nation's constitution. (laughs) Tempers had flared among the delegates of the 13 colonies. They must have been Baptists, amen, to such an extent that the entire convention was in danger of falling apart. Into this atmosphere thick with division and conflict, On a hot and humid day, an 81-year-old statesman by the name of Benjamin Franklin slowly rose to speak these words. I have lived, sir, a long time. And the longer I live, the more convincing proofs I see of this truth. God governs in the affairs of men. And if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it probable that an empire can rise without his aid? We have been assured, sir, in the sacred writings 
that except the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. I firmly believe this. And I also believe that without His concurring aid, we shall succeed in this political building no better than the builders of Babel. If you're a student of the Bible, you know about the Tower of Babel. We shall be divided, Franklin said, by our partial local interests. Our projects will be confounded and we ourselves shall become a reproach and a byword down to future ages. And what is worse, mankind may hereafter from this unfortunate instance despair of ever establishing governments by human wisdom and leave it to chance, war, and conquest. So he said, the least religious of the founding fathers, the one who the atheists and agnostics love to quote, he said, but unless the Lord build the country, they labor in vain. He said that God governs in the affairs of men. He said, and if a sparrow cannot fall to the ground without his notice, is it even probable that an empire could be built without his aid? Here's what I know. I know the same thing that Franklin knew, that our dependence on God is crucial to our country. Amen. He knew that. But I want you to notice the warning that he said. He said that if we don't get this right, we will be divided hmm, by our little partial local interest. Our projects will be confounded and we ourselves will become a reproach and a byword to future generations. Sound familiar? This country that was founded on Judeo-Christian principles has been responsible responsible for the death of over 60 million unborn children. This country that was founded on Judeo-Christian values and principles ignored a 6,000-year history of marriage being between one man and one woman and legalized same-sex marriage. This country, many in this country, have embraced the woke agenda. I even hate that they use that word woke because they're not awake. The LGBTQI, don't forget the I, the LGBTQI agenda, the transgender movement, all that is on the news and on, on TV that we are being bombarded by, that our children are being influenced by, that our country is absolutely under the grip of. My my, my. So this is what it says in God's Word in Psalm chapter 11. Psalm chapter 11 in verse 3. If you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn there. If you're physically able, I'm going to invite you to stand as we read from Revelation chapter 11 and verse 3. Re excuse me, Psalm. We'll go to Revelation in just a moment, but Psalm 11 and verse 3. Because maybe you've asked yourself this question that the psalmist asked. Maybe you've looked around, read the headlines, listened to the radio, watched the news, and maybe you've asked this same question. The psalmist asked in Psalm 11 and 3, if the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? 
Ladies and gentlemen, the foundations are cracking. Ladies and gentlemen, the foundations are being attacked by a sinister strategy to go after that which held our country together. There is an agenda among a new world order and among the mainstream media to attack the foundations which not only united us as a people, but kept us grounded with morality and values and made us the shining city on a hill. So maybe you've asked that question. If the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? Let us pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, on this 4th of July weekend, a weekend where traditionally we have set aside the celebration of our independence and, and the proud heritage of this country that nowadays many in academia and many in media want to apologize and erase. They want to tear down statues and they want to t- change who we are and make us into something that we are not. But God, I know this. The same question that is asked there is answered. When the foundations are destroyed, you call upon the righteous remnant to rise up. You call upon the righteous remnant to humble ourselves and pray and seek your face and turn from our wicked ways, and then you will heal our land. And so, God, the righteous remnant better get busy. We better accept this wake-up call. We better sense the urgency of the times in which we live and do something about it before the last last remnant of this country and who we used to be is totally forever destroyed. Forgive us of our sins, Lord God. Let there be a revival in the land and let it start with me. Let us start with us. We can either curse the darkness and complain about how bad it is or we can light a candle and light up the world. Have your way. Hide me behind that old rugged cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Our nation was once that shining city on a hill that became a beacon of hope to all the world, to oppressed people all around this globe who had heard about this country, the shining city on a hill, where there were religious freedoms and where there was values and morality and and prosperity and freedom. And so people all around the globe yearned to come here and yearn to to try and establish themselves in a country that allows ingenuity, in a country that allows innovation, in a country that promotes ownership, in a country that promotes rights and personal property, in a country that says, you know, have you ever thought about that? We take that for granted. We take it for granted, personal property. You do understand that in many countries, there's no such thing as owning property. It is owned by the state. And I know, listen, I know there are many in Washington, D.C. and some in Baton Rouge that would love for that to be the case here. But that is not who we've ever been. That is not who we are. And if we do something about it, it will never be who we are. The idea that this you can own something in the United States, I don't know if you're aware of this, but there's many countries that don't have that. And we take it for granted. You you own your car, or maybe one day you'll own that car. You, you have your house, or maybe one day you'll have that house, right? But you have things that belong to you that are yours, and hopefully you take pride in it. Hopefully you don't leave Christmas lights up year-round, and hopefully you mow your grass occasionally until it looks like the Amazon jungle. Hopefully you take care of what you have, right? All joking aside, 
in this country that we're blessed to live in, regardless of how bad things have gotten, we are still blessed, and this is still the most blessed nation on the face of the earth. I'll go to my grave saying that. I believe in America. I believe in what this country stands for. But I'm worried, I'm concerned, just as a parent worries about your children and your grandchildren, when you see that which you took for granted slipping away. I have said over the last few years, multiple times, my children and now my beautiful, precious grandchildren will never know the United States of America that I grew up in. It's different. Things are changing, and if we're not careful, they're going to change so much that you won't even recognize what used to be. All right, let, let's go on a field trip for a moment. <laughs> Maybe some of you were born and raised in different places than Halton or Sligo or South Bossier. Have you ever go back to the old homestead? You know, when you were a little child, the house seemed bigger. The neighborhood seems so big. That park that you used to go to seemed huge. And it's really small, right? I don't know if you're like me, but I went back to, to the neighborhood. When, when I was born, we lived in Cedar Grove. Amen. Can I get a witness? And I have gone back there both in my day job and just on a field trip. I, I've driven over there. And it's just it's painful, y'all. Painful. Miss Evelyn knows. They grew up close to there, or lived close to there at one point. That whole area has changed. It's not what it used to be. And I'm afraid that if we go on this field trip that I'm talking about, and, and that there's going to be a future generation that says, didn't the United States of America used to be powerful? Didn't the United States used to stand for something? Didn't the United States lead the world? All in past tense. Because we find out it, it's changed and it's in the process of changing. The, we used to be the moral compass for the nations, the plumb line. But at some point, I'm going to pinpoint it around the 1960s, things began to change. There's a lot of Supreme Court decisions that were made between 63 and 72. That if you know anything about America, you know that things started changing. Removing prayer from school. Roe v. Wade, etc. We turned our back on God and this nation which was founded, don't miss this, on religious liberty now promotes an anti-religious agenda. The, the, the move of the day is a very humanistic, progressive, socially woke, godless society. The country that once burned bright for God and was passionate for God and the things of God has grown lukewarm and different. In fact, I want to turn your attention to Revelation chapter 3. Revelation chapter 3 beginning at verse 14. Revelation 3 beginning at verse 14. This is the Laodicean church. It became known as the lukewarm church. But they were under what's called, uh, Adrian Rogers called it the Laodicean delusion. They had a lot of stuff. They had a lot of things. They had a lot of prosperity. But that's a delusion. When you have stuff and you have things, that doesn't mean that you're right. doesn't mean that you're close to God. The Laodiceans were under a delusion. And we find that in Revelation chapter 3 beginning at verse 14. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write... These things say the amen, the faithful and true witness, 
the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. An indifference had set in in the Laodicean church. They were not hot. They were not cold. They were indifferent. And that's a dangerous place. You understand that when you're cold, you can get hot. Cold means that at some point you were hot. You, you got far away. And so you grew cold. When you're hot, what did Jerry Reed say? When you're hot, you're hot. And when you're not, you're not. But the indifference is what is a danger because when you're indifferent, you don't even recognize it. When you're indifferent, it's like the status quo. You go through the motions. You're indifferent. And I'm going to tell you, think about it this way. Think about it in a marriage. Marriages can go hot, can go cold. But when they're indifferent toward one another, when a spouse is indifferent, danger, danger, danger. Indifference is a terrible thing for a marriage. It's a terrible thing for the church. It's a terrible thing for our relationship with God. But I continue. Because you say, this is the Laodicean delusion. Because you say, I am rich. Oh, <coughs> I'm so rich. I've become wealthy and have need of nothing. And do not know. So they, they had all these things and they thought that they didn't need God. That's a dangerous place when a country has gotten so prosperous and we have so much and we take it for granted and therefore we don't have that dependence on God that we used to. What's the old adage out of Proverbs? Keep me poor enough to where I'm dependent, or excuse me, yeah. keep me poor enough to where I'm dependent on you, but keep me rich enough that I don't steal. We, as a country, we've got all these things and that Laodicean delusion is that I have all these things Therefore, I don't need, I have no need of this God that you speak of. You do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed, that the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. As many as I love, I rebuke and chasten. Therefore, be zealous and repent. Zealous is literally the opposite of indifference. When you're zealous about something, you're on fire and you're passionate. When you're indifferent, you could care. You couldn't care less. You grow indifferent and you just, you're blah. Be zealous and repent. And look at this next thing and do not forget it's the church, ladies and gentlemen. It's a Laodicean church. You'll hear evangelists sometimes get up and use this verse out of context about a lost person and Jesus standing outside the, the door of your heart. No, I hate to break it to you, but he's standing outside a church. It's called the Laodicean church. Why was he outside? Because he had been kicked out. Why is he standing out there knocking? Because you shoved him out. You pushed him out. You may have heard about the homeless man one day that had been told he was stinky. He was, he, he was disgusting. He wasn't allowed in that church, so they set him out on the front porch and he sat there and weeped because all he wanted to do was to hear the word that day. All he wanted to do was to be in Christian fellowship with other believers. And all of a sudden, he felt a mighty presence around him. This presence enveloped him and he looked over and he saw a man 
Now the man was there physically sitting, but there was something special about his presence. <laughs> and the homeless man looked over at him and glanced at him. And uh, he noticed that this man had piercing, penetrating eyes, as if eyes burning with fire. And that man looked at that homeless man and he said, Oh, did they kick you out? And the homeless man said, Yes, sir. They kicked me out. And the man said, They kicked me out years ago. My name is Jesus. Now go back to the passage and look at verse 20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him. I will come into him and dine with him, and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne, as I also overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Ladies and gentlemen, he was outside that Laodicean church because he had been kicked out. He was standing outside the church knocking, wondering if anybody in that church would even pay attention to a knock. Would anyone hear him? Would anyone open the door and say, come on back in? See, as a country, we're under the Laodicean delusion. We've got a lot of stuff. And we've got an expanding economy. But all of these things that we took for granted, the world economic superpower, all the manufacturing that used to take place here in America, all of the factories that used to be alive with employees, all of these things that we took for granted, we are losing that edge, but we're still under that delusion. Well, we got a lot of stuff. The Laodiceans were under a delusion. They were under a delusion that because they had all this stuff, they didn't need God. The wake-up call is out there. Sometimes prosperity can become a stumbling block. A stumbling block. When you have things, it can actually create distance between you and God because you don't realize all things come from the giver of gifts. It can cause pride and greed. But listen, the warning has been sounded. The wake-up call is going off. We've lost our way. There's a lot of things that at one time, like I said earlier, we took for granted, but they're now becoming dilapidated and broken. Roads, bridges, airports, our electrical grid, our water treatment centers. I know I keep saying this, but there's a reason. Back in 2020, I looked in some of my sermon notes. And in January of 2020, before we knew what COVID was before we were really aware of it, I talked about that myself and many other pastors, not just me, not just myself, many pastors and many leaders were sensing there was going to be a shaking. A shaking. I believe there was. I believe just like with 9-11, I believe that with COVID, there was an opportunity for us to repent. There was an opportunity for us to get right. There was an opportunity for us to open our eyes, to be awakened, not woke. But because of our apathy, because we're indifferent, because we're lukewarm, same old same. Same old same. So I know some of you probably are thinking, why would I preach such a negative message on such a fun holiday weekend. Brother Chad, I just wanted to pop some fireworks and you know, wave some sparklers and eat some barbecue. Why are you doing this? Well, consider this your courtesy wake-up call. Our nation is no different than your Christian walk. You can start red hot. 
You can be on fire and zealot for the Lord. And then over time, you can become indifferent. Now listen, I don't want to leave you on a negative. There's glimpses of hope. There are signs that I see as a pastor of the, the shaking. There are signs that I see of God trying to get our attention. And there's glimpses of, of little pockets of revival and things happening. I, I, I want to praise the Lord for Roe v. Wade being overturned. Amen. There was scholars, these smart people that call themselves scholars. It'll never happen. <laughs> I want to know what happened to that guy. But Roe v. Wade was overturned. NFL safety, DeMar Hamlin was dead on a football field in January. And right after that, the largest, did you ever think about this? The largest prayer meeting ever took place. People that had not called on the name of God knelt in that football field and on those, in those stands and people watching TV, watching as they're trying to resuscitate a dead man on a football field watching as he's loaded up into an ambulance and taken out. The largest prayer meeting ever took place that night. And then one month later, a little college that I've actually been to, Asbury in Wilmore, Kentucky. Asbury Revival, it was called, part two. There was an Asbury Revival in the 70s, and there was an Asbury Revival in 2023. Lasted for almost three weeks where they prayed, sang songs, and preached for 24 hours a day, seven days a week, on a college campus. Tell me that's not a glimpse of hope. There's hope. There's always hope. How about this? I love this. So, you know, they call June Pride Month, which I've always thought pride is a dangerous thing. I've seen in my own life when I allowed this right here to get too big, God had a way of just going, whoops. So that I would be humbled by that experience. Pride's not a good thing. Don't you think it's a little interesting that we have a whole month called Pride Month? When pride is not something that we should have. Outside of God, who am I? What Outside of God, what do I have to brag about? Paul said there's nothing I can boast about. Everything else doesn't matter, right? But on the last day of Pride Month, the United States Supreme Court. You think that's just a coincidence? Did you watch your TV on Friday? June 30th, the last day of Pride Month, the Supreme Court ruled that small businesses in the United States of America have a religious protection and that they will no longer be forced or allowed to be sued if they morally object to providing a wedding cake for a gay wedding photography or pictures for different events. If you as the owner of a small business morally object to a, a, a party that's wanting to do business with you and your objection is based on Christian or morality or principles, the Supreme Court has just granted protection. Amen. Now years ago, amen. Years ago, a different Supreme Court made up of different justices ruled against a baker and a photographer. Mm -hmm. The baker refused to provide a perverted-looking cake for a perverted wedding and was sued, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, and that Supreme Court said, you got to bake the cake. Mm -hmm. And actually, they were awarded damages, the couple that didn't get their perverted leaning oh. tower of pizza or whatever it was. 
Um, that um, whatever they they weren't uh, get because that business said we're Christian, we're not going to make that perverted looking cake. That gay couple was awarded huge damages, and the Supreme Court said you can't discriminate against somebody because you don't like making that cake. Really? So as a cake maker, I have to make any. A photographer in a different state didn't want to take pictures at an event because she said, I morally object to that event. Well, she got sued, and it went all the way to the Supreme Court, a different Supreme Court, and that Supreme Court ruled you do not have a right to refuse business for people. Isn't it amazing what happens in just a few years <coughs> with different nominees from a different president and can change the landscape of the land? So don't leave out of here dejected and depressed because it's, oh, it's getting bad. Yes, it's getting bad, but I got good news. God wants revival more than you want revival. God will send revival if you'll just keep praying and just keep asking. There's hope. There's hope for this nation, and there's hope for you. You're never too far gone. You've never done too much. You're never so far outside of God's reach that He can't reach down and get you last moment. <clears throat> this nation that once stood for something is now standing for the wrong things and then refusing to stand in causes that are right. But this is what I know and this is what I believe. As long as there's a remnant, might be a minority, might be a very few small number. You ever studied Gideon's army? You ever studied how his army was reduced to bare minimum just so God could get the glory? So maybe that's what he's doing. He's separating the wheat from the chaff and he's seeing who's really faithful. Take a stand for God. Take a stand for what this nation used to represent. Don't allow them to continue to rewrite history. Don't allow them to erase history. Don't allow them to rename streets and schools and tear down statues just because it feels good. Because i got news for you. Those statues of those people and those streets that are named after somebody, there's not a street named after a human being in America that was perfect. Did some of our founding fathers have issues? Yeah. Do you have issues? Did some of our, is some of our history not as illustrious as others? Yes. But we're supposed to learn from that. We're right. supposed to be challenged by that. Right. Tearing down a statue and rewriting history accomplishes nothing. And if they come for certain people that the woke culture has gotten upset about, if they come for certain streets and certain generals and certain statues, are you so foolish to think that one day they won't come for your street, for the other statue, for the other school. These people have an agenda to destroy and to change what this nation is. And I believe as long as there's a faithful remnant that'll say, I'm not gonna I'm not I'm not gonna put up with that. As long as there's a faithful remnant, I believe God is about to do something. Yes. And here's the reality. He's either going to send revival or he's going to have the rapture. I want to be ready for both. Let's pray. Dear most gracious Heavenly Father, I'm asking you in this moment that we call the invitation of our church.
<coughs> to speak to hearts as only you can. There may be someone here that has grown indifferent. There may be someone here that doesn't have a relationship with your son Jesus Christ. There may be someone here who's struggling. They have some health issues, some emotional issues. Maybe someone here that they've never come to a point in their life where they've repented and said, Jesus, I need you. Whatever the need in this invitation, God, I know that you can meet that need. I know that you can heal that pain. I know that you can answer that prayer. Whatever it is, right here, right now. Why do we stay where we are? Why do we grip tighter on the seat? Why do we refuse to move when all along your spirit is saying, get up, get up, get up. Go do something. Go, go speak. Go stand up. Go do something to make a difference. Quit cursing the darkness and light a candle. So God, right here, right now, I'm asking you. I'm imploring your Holy Spirit to do what only He can do. If there's someone here that needs Jesus, if there's someone here looking for a church, if there's someone here needing to be baptized, if there's someone here that just feels called to come down to the altar and pray over the country, over our community, God, today we just want to have freedom. We just want to do whatever your Spirit is leading us to do. No more excuses. No more procrastination. We're going to get it right. Because I don't know that we have very long. Have your way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand? You come.
Christmas.